chapter 4. I want to talk today about heart health. Heart health. Hallelujah. Heart health. We can bring that pad out, guys. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You've probably seen this passage before. verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. I believe that God is interested in real, lasting change. Amen? I don't believe he's, he's just interested in temporary, uh, what I like to call, behavior modification. God isn't interested in changing the outside without doing something on the inside. I believe that God starts on the inside and works on the outside. I believe that he changes us from the inside out. And so when the word talks about the heart, it talks about the very essence of someone. It talks about the inward man. It talks about getting to the real you, the real essence of who you are. And and, and this verse says keep. Uh, Do we have it in the New Living? Travis, I think we have it in the New Living Translation. It says guard. There we go. Guard. Guard your heart above all else. So that, that gives me a sense of urgency and priority. It gives me a sense of urgency This is something that needs my attention. It needs my focus. And it gives me some priority. Above all else, make sure you're taking care of the inside and not just working on the outside. I was listening to a pastor talk one time. He was, uh, you know, he he works out and, you know, looks healthy and all that. And uh, he's a young guy, probably about 35, 36, if I had to take a guess. And uh, he said that he went to the doctor and was. He could tell that he was getting up in age because his doctor was using all kinds of words and terms that he never heard before, like cholesterol and blood pressure and things. And, and he's using all these words. And he says, I know that, you know, on the outside, you know, you look like you got it all together. But but the inside needs some work. What, what you're putting in one day is going to produce something different than what you're seeing on the outside today. He said, I would hate for you to be running, running your miles, running, doing your thing, and, and, and you just drop dead one day because, not because the outside wasn't put together, but the inside was messed up. And he responded and said, well, doctor, you don't have to worry about that because I don't run. <laughs> so you'll never have to worry about me falling over running. Fall over doing some other stuff, but but in essence, what the doctor is saying is you got to take care of the inside. You can't just dress up the outside. It wouldn't be any different than if we took a vehicle uh, that has no motor, no engine, or you know the stuff under the hood isn't working right. But we got a brand new paint job on there, and man, we 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 waxed it every weekend and armor all the tires and shined up the 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 rims. You know, and all the stuff that everybody sees, but then you get in and you turn the key and you got nothing, right? There's nothing. It's, it's going nowhere. Looking good, going nowhere. And so what, what, what the writer is identifying here 
is that if you want to see the right fruit on the outside, you've got to make the right investment on the inside. If you want to see the right fruit on the outside, you've got to make the right investment on the inside. And the thing is, guys, is that a lot of times what we're putting in isn't always quickly produced on the outside, is it? We don't see that connection immediately a lot of times. But in essence, what we can come to a conclusion of is that what you're producing in your life is determined by what you're investing in your heart. What you're producing in your life is determined by what you're investing in your heart. This is a simple message. It's nothing real complicated. I, don't, I didn't dress it all up today. I know you want to beat everybody to cheddars today because you got mom in town and want to make sure you get a good table and you, know, you want to treat her well. I understand. But I've got some just simple points that I want to identify out of this passage today. Number one, uh, this word in the New Living, it said, New King James said keep, but in the New Living it says guard. And the word guard means this. It means to protect and maintain. Protect and maintain. That tells me it's ongoing, right? Uh, We have to develop a perpetual, a perpetual tune-up or check-up, if you will, on your heart. Uh, It's no different than our natural hearts. It's no different, uh, you know, than needing to check up on your heart. It's pumping. It's moving blood around. You're you're here today. You're smiling. You look good. Everything's got everything's put together well. But but every now and then it's good to check up on the heart. Why? Because the heart is designed for longevity. The heart is designed to last a very long time. Why? Because when the heart stops, life stops. Life flows from the heart. So we've got to maintain and we've got to protect. Well, protect, you know, this is one um, that, you know, speaking of parents, that we try to encourage our parents to identify early on. If you do not have filters in your life, your heart is not very well protected. And, and, and I've seen people that have no filter. They'll watch anything. And they'll listen to anything. And they'll make friends with everybody. But at some point, you've got to start ruling some stuff out. At some point, you're going to have to, right? Because uh, how does a, a natural heart get damaged? How do you end up with a heart condition? It's because you don't have a filter. You drink and eat whatever. I'm preaching to myself now. Because GF for me stands for gluten full, not gluten free. Throw it all in there. I don't want to see another video of how much sugar is in a soda and what it does when it hits my stuff. Don't even bother sending it to me. I don't want to see it anymore. I don't care. <laughs> I may not be that harsh about it, but I don't care. I watch I see the video and I scroll right past it. It means nothing to me. I'm sure it's damaging. I'm sure that it's burning away my intestines. They're probably not even there anymore. And that's okay because I've got a Dr. Pepper sitting in the fridge waiting for me for my drive home. So, amen. That's the doctor I go see. Doctor, who's your 
Who, who's your primary care? Dr. Pepper. And he said, I'm doing okay. I'm all right. Everything's good. Amen. I don't know where he got his diploma. I don't know what's on his wall, but that's all right. But we've got to guard. It's ongoing. It's consistent. It's perpetual. This, this is not something that, well, you know, we just do it every now and then. I, here's the thing that I've discovered about guarding your heart, that if you don't give attention to it, it will digress. And you'll open up your heart to things that it does not, should not have access to. And so we have to stay on top of it. He says, guard your heart above all else. That's priority. That's telling us this should be on top of your list. This should be when you wake up, how am I guarding my heart today? And, 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 and that, that means what is in front of my eyes and what am I listening to and what am I surrounding myself with? I mean, we just uh, got to honor parents that are making a decision uh, that are dedicating their lives to filtering their home. Parents, if you are not filtering your homes, you're giving your children access to stuff that one day may be hard for them to turn off. You know why I have trouble not drinking Dr. Pepper today is because my mom loves Dr. Pepper. That's what my mom passed on to me. That's why I love my mom. And as a child, I could remember. Now, we didn't keep sodas in the house, and I still don't keep sodas in the house. So don't make, it, don't make this out to be like, you know, I'm just this horrible, you know, Dr. Pepper drinker. But when we go out and stuff, I would rather have a Dr. Pepper than water. Now, I have found uh, my, my good friend Matt back here has introduced me to um, uh, sparkling water. Just gets a little closer. So, you know, it took a while. It probably took me a good month to acquire the taste of a Pellegrino or a Perrier. But I enjoy those every now and then if I just need that, you know, carbonation or whatever. But Dr. Pepper always hits the spot. But I started out young. Started out young. It's always hard to come off of something when it's your foundation. The foundation determines the sturdiness of what it's built of what's built on top of it. So if your foundation is incorrect, you may have strength in the walls, but the walls may not be something you want in your life. You may have built something that you may have a hard time tearing down later on. Amen. So he says, guard, I love this next word, your. Your heart is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's what you do with it. It's your responsibility. Well, they broke my heart. That's only because you gave it to them. You put it in someone else's hands that it didn't belong in. And thank God God can heal hearts because he's a healer. He loves to heal stuff. He loves to put broken stuff back together. He loves to forgive. He loves a repentant heart. Not a repentant prayer, a repentant heart. It's amazing how, how many times we can produce something externally that actually conflicts with what we have on the inside. You know, for some of us in this room during worship, it might have been difficult for you to worship. In fact, you might have been counting down, you know, how many songs are we on and can we finally get this thing over with? Why? Because your heart's not in it. And on the outside, you're here. And on the outside, uh, you have shown up. But 
uh, on the inside, your heart's not there. Worship is a difficult thing to do when your heart's not given to the Lord. It's just the bottom line. Period. You have to open up your heart before you can submit and worship. You have to give him your heart. Worship is impossible for people that have not given the Lord their heart. But the heart is your responsibility. It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's not your husband's responsibility. It's not your children's responsibility. It's not your boss's responsibility. It's not your pastor's responsibility. Amen. It's your responsibility to guard, to keep it, to watch over it, protect it, and maintain it. Guard your heart. And I've discovered this, uh, that, that many times the things that we enjoy in the moment are the most damaging long term. The things that bring us joy in the moment, like drinking a Dr. Pepper. That's all right. I'll crucify myself today. Can have long-term negative effects. And then I've also learned that many times the things that are the most painful in the moment have some of the most positive, rewarding effects. Painful to push your body to the limit in the gym. It's painful to, to run that extra mile. It's painful to do the things, naturally speaking, to take care of yourself, but they have the greatest long term effect. It's, it, it's painful to cut that thing off, but you know in the long run you're better off without it. It's painful uh, in the moment to let that thing go, but you know that in the long run it's better, you're better off without it. But then the things that make us so happy. And the things that make us feel good and the things that we enjoy that just for a moment and the moment is fleeting and one day it's here and one day it's gone. You know, I've learned that out of the heart, we, you know, usually when we see a heart and we usually talk about it around Valentine's Day, it's usually identified with love. But I've also learned that the same heart that loves is also the same heart that can hate. the same heart that can hate. Now, today, I want to encourage you to hate. Now, I know there's things that we're not supposed to hate. But I believe that there are also things that we are supposed to hate. And I believe that there are some things in your life that you're having a hard time loving because there are some things that you don't hate enough. Because when, when you learn to hate something, it will motivate you to do something. When you learn to hate racism, then you'll do something about it. When you hate pornography, you'll get off of it. When you hate what that relationship and what that friendship is doing to you, you'll, you'll cut it. When you hate Missing church, you'll be in church. When you hate not being in the Word, you'll be in the Word. You know, there's, there's certain things that I hate. I hate running late. Notice I didn't say I love being early. 
but I hate running late enough that I do my best to be early. I hate ungratefulness, a heart that lacks gratitude. I can't stand it. I hate it. I hate it. So when Camden sits in the playroom surrounded by 100,000 toys and complains about the one thing he doesn't have, hate it. Really? You want to have that conversation right now? I just broke my foot on your Legos. So thank you for that. The same heart that has the passion to love can also have the the passion to hate. And, And there are some things in our lives that we won't love until we learn to hate the opposite. I don't love working out. There's things that I hate when I don't work out that motivates me. You see what I'm saying? I don't love buying a new car, but I hate walking. So, there's an alternative. Amen. So, we, we've got we've to recognize that the same heart. How can I guard my heart? How can I protect my heart? How can I maintain? There might be some things in your life that you're sick and tired of, but you don't hate it yet. You, you're, you're, you, you haven't filtered that out because you don't hate what it does to you. You don't hate what it, how it makes you. I hate getting angry. I hate losing my temper. I hate talking to people the way I talk to them. I hate getting up earlier. I hate staying up later. I hate not accomplishing. Whatever it is can motivate you to get your heart right. It's the same heart. Same heart, just a different perspective. We know this, that our heart will wear out over time. It's amazing that we just, we don't burn with passion about things that we once were so extremely passionate about. Anything. Marriages, jobs, careers. You know, you, I, I, I always, when I, when I talk to someone that wants to take on a new endeavor, or they want a, a, a new position, or they want a new title, or they want a new, the, the passion is always there at the beginning. That's not the concern. I want to see you three months from now. I want to see you a year from now. I want to see how you still show up to that job. I want to see if you're still putting in the same investment that you were when this thing started. You know, one of the things, uh, uh, you know, one of my favorite shows is Shark Tank. I've talked about it before. And you see these individuals and how much passion they are, you know, talking, you know, six months to a year, maybe sometimes a couple years into their their uh, uh what they've invented or the product that they're trying to get marketed and they're always passionate but I can just I can see those I can see those sharks up there trying to identify okay are you passionate because this is just a new thing for you or are you passionate because you have sold your life out to this purpose and when they start crying or when they have a story that just engages you that says man that's why they want to sell this because it's passion that will get the job done not just the product I heard a leader say one time that if I could have the best product of the best people, I'll go with the best people every time because the best people will sell the best product. They will make a, a they will make an amateur product or a mediocre product seem great because they're a great person every time. But you could have a mediocre 
less than passionate individual trying to sell the best thing in the world, like my recent occasion at the Apple store, which I love Apple products, but the genius that took my computer was a little less than passionate. And I don't say genius. They call them geniuses. That's what they call them after you go in there. Okay, let me get a genius for you. Oh, okay, so what am I? How do I join the genius crew, you know? What do I got to do? Give me a green shirt with an Apple logo on it. That's all I, got. That's all I need, apparently. But the, you, you understand that the, the passion, why? Because that, that heart will wear out. You have to keep it maintained. You've got to keep it running. You've got to keep it going. It will digress if you're not giving it the attention. You know, the heart is a muscle. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and uh, try to, you know, woo you with a bunch of heart knowledge. I mean, knowledge about the physical heart. I mean, I could get on Wikipedia and maybe give you some details. That's probably the best that I could do. But I do know this, that the heart is a muscle. So if you don't give it the proper attention or you don't work it properly, it will digress. But also we can overwork our heart. We can take on responsibilities in weights that we were never designed to carry. There might be wives in this room that you've taken on the responsibility of making your husband happy, and that's not your, that you were never called to do that. And your heart is burning out because you're trying to fulfill a role that God never gave to you. You are a support. You are to support the spouse. You are to support the person you are married to. And there, there, are, there are moms, I've seen them. Single moms trying to do the role of two. I've seen it. And that's regardless of if the man's in the home or not. Because sometimes you got a man that's in the house, but he is somewhere else around the world. And the heart will burn out because it's being overworked. Some of you dads are in this room and you've been trying to please your children too much. That's not your job. It's not your job to please them. It's not your job to buy them everything and sign them up for everything and to get them in everything they want to do and, and buy them that cell phone right when they're demanding it. And, 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 and that will overwork your heart. You'll end up with a heart condition. No, we need to guard our heart. We need to protect our heart. Because if I don't protect what's on the inside, I won't like the results I see on the outside. If you don't like what you're seeing on the outside, quit changing the external stuff. Quit buying new headlights when it needs a new motor. Amen. We need to give attention to our hearts. Continuing on in this passage in Proverbs chapter 4. Again, with verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Everything flows from the inside. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you externally. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established external. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. 
external. The next several verses, 24, 25, 26, and 27, identify the external results from internal investment. Number one, your heart controls your mouth. He says there, put away from you a deceitful mouth, put perverse lips far from you. The mouth identifies communication. Some people will say anything. I know, you know, in our church it can be a a fairly new concept for most of you to understand the power of your words and the power of confession and declaring the word and what you're saying and how it shapes your world. I know that can be a fairly new thing, but that would be uh, uh, very vital for you to grab a hold of because many times we say things and we don't even know what we're saying, but yet we are shaping the very world that we live in. Oh, my back is killing me. Okay, then. It will kill you. Oh, I can't take this anymore. I know I'm throwing out terms that hit us all, that just slip out of our mouth. They spring out of our mouth. Well, Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Luke 6, verse 43. Or 45, I'm sorry. Luke 6. Forty-five. Jesus is speaking. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, look at what's going in your heart. The New Living reads, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. It's out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks and the mouth declares. But man, when you've got when you get around someone that is just saying praises and declaring life and speaking life, I think uh, uh, there's a singer that even branded that. Speak life. Is it Toby Mac? Speak life. Why? Because Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21 tells me that death and life are in the power of the what? The tongue. It's in the power of the tongue because it's been invested in your heart. The tongue is simply following, but your mouth is the rudder. Your mouth is what chooses the course. Your mouth is what lays the foundation. Your mouth is what sets the path. Your mouth is what shapes your world. But if we can challenge our heart to be changed and to invest in it what it needs, then we will have productive speaking. We'll have life speaking, uh, words that are giving away life. I I, I hate it when I see uh, even Christians, even believers on on Facebook, and and I'm going to tell you right now, speaking applies to now typing and texting and putting your stuff out there. I just want to go ahead and clarify that. But even believers and Christians, they communicate, but it's, it's a discouraging. It's not encouraging. It's not building me up. It's 
tearing you down. Now, look, we all need hard talk. We all need hard conversation. We all need to be told what's real and let's get real about this. But, but give, me a, give me a solution. Don't just identify a problem. That's something I, I learned to be very careful with because even in my own preaching, I found myself sometimes I could focus on what people aren't doing rather than how we can correct the issue. You can say things like, man, you know, the church doesn't even. But I don't want to end there. Identify the problem, but let's bring a solution. But, man, if we could do this, we could be a church set on fire. If we could get passionate, if we could do this, give me a solution. Give me words that build up, not just tear down. Amen. Amen. Give me words that tell me that I serve a God that, that has everything I need. Give me words that says that Jesus Christ has paid the price and everything you need is available to you. All you need to call. Yes, we need conversation. It looks us in the eye sometimes and says, you need, to get, you need to straighten that out and get your heart right. This is jacked up. You need to fix it. But give me a solution. Because my God has solutions. My God doesn't just roam around pointing out all my problems and all my issues and all the broken stuff in my life. No, he gave me a way out. He gave me a path out when I couldn't even see the, the, the end of the road. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. He showed up and says, here I am. Now, it's your responsibility to step up. It's your responsibility to make the decision. It's your responsibility to change your course of life. But here's the answer. Here's the solution. Let's, let's be people that speak words of life. Speak words of life over yourself. And that, that's not even getting into the authority of your words. Because I don't see one time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus prayed to his father about a problem. And most believers' prayers are simply out of despair or simply out of, God, you need to come down and do something. And God is saying, I already took care of it. Now it's your turn to speak to it. Jesus said, speak to the mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. Jesus spoke to the sea. Jesus spoke to the mountain. Jesus spoke to demons. Jesus spoke to di- the, the sickness. When we have a centurion, he doesn't even know God. He has no covenant with God whatsoever. He's not a Jew. And he says, I know if you'll speak the word, my servant that's miles away, by the time I get there, he'll be healed. Just speak the word. You don't even have to show up. That's the authority of your word. Many of us are using our words to kill our situation than we are to bring life to it. If it's dying around you, pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. And if you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, change what's going in your heart. So number one, our heart controls our mouth. Number two, number two there in Proverbs chapter four. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Eyes is attention. Your heart determines your attention or your focus. I've learned that you cannot go where you cannot see. What are you focused on? And I know a broken heart, it'll change your focus. I know an angry heart will change hard-hearted people, 
close-hearted people. And this isn't just for women, by the way. Every guy in this room has to check up on your heart, too. You want to be a man? I'll show you a man. David killed bears. David killed lions with his bare hands. King David slew a giant when nobody else with military experience would even get on the battlefield. David was a warrior. He won every single fight he fought. I mean, you want to talk about 300? You want to talk about a mighty man? You want to talk about a warrior, six-pack, chiseled? I mean, the Bible even says that he was a good-looking guy. I mean, he's got it all going on. But he knew how to worship his God. He knew how to open his mouth. He knew how to dance. He knew how to praise. He knew how to lift his hands. He knew how to clap and rejoice. He knew how to turn to God when everybody else was turning against him. You can't be a man if you can't worship your God. You can't even talk about manhood and, and man status. Man's status isn't the size of your TV and the size of tires on your truck and, 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 and how much time you spend in the gym and how many protein shakes you gobble down. That's not man's status. Man's status is being able to worship the Lord with both hands lifted high. That's a man. And it starts with the heart. What I do with my hands will never override what I do with my heart. But many times what I do with my heart will determine what I do with my hands. I love it when Justin, uh, Jason, not Justin, Jason gets out and he's dancing back there. I'm waiting for someone else to join him. Why are you letting him be back there all by himself, dancing all by himself? Get back there and join him. Dance. What do you got to be embarrassed about? Well, I mean, well, I'll start. I'll dance with you. I'll get. I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna jump off the drums one time. I'm gonna go back there. I'm just gonna start dancing. Amen. Starts with my heart. Starts with my heart. See, people don't have to tell me it's time to worship. Robert doesn't have to say, "All right, guys, it's time to worship." I came in here ready to worship. I know how we start every single service. We've been doing it for five years. We will start with songs. That's what we're going to do. We're going to sing songs, and we're going to lift our hands, and we're going to clap, and we're going to rejoice and praise and worship our Lord. We've done it for five years, and there's nothing different. There's no surprise anymore. Oh, man, they're singing songs. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> what in the world are all these instruments doing up here? We do it every weekend. Amen. And on top of that, you should be a worshiper out there. And you come in here ready. That's just, this is an overflow. We're coming in here and we're just overflowing. Why? Because my heart worships God. And my focus and my attention is determined by my heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. You got it up there. While we do not look at the things which are seen... Those words, do not look, that doesn't mean ignore. I'm not asking you to ignore what life is throwing at you. I'm not asking you to, to act like, well, I don't even know. I don't even know. Don't, even, don't tell me. No. It means I don't focus on it. I don't gaze upon it. I don't set my heart on it. I don't set my attention on it. But no, I look at the things 
uh, which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. That word temporary means subject to change. I was just on the phone just this past weekend with an individual that was having an issue uh, with the marriage. And they don't even go to our church. But an individual in our church called me and said, I, I know this individual, they're having marriage issues. Uh, would you just talk to him? And so uh, he called me. I said, give him my number. I'll, call, I'll talk to him. And he called me. I was driving home from dinner with my family, driving home in the car, talking to him on the phone in the car. And the thing I was trying to encourage him about is, this is temporary. Don't set your heart on this. This is tonight. This is Friday night at 7.50 p.m. This, this is bigger than that. A week from now, a month from now, a year from now, you're not going to have this struggle anymore. It's temporary. It's subject to change. The sickness in your body is temporary. That means it's subject to change. Your financial situation, it's temporary. Your marriage problem, it's temporary. It's subject to change. Don't focus on something that can be here and gone the next. But focus and gaze upon the things that are not seen. They are eternal. That means that they are that way no matter what. They cannot be influenced. They cannot be changed. Focus on that. Give your attention. But it starts with your heart. You can't set your eyes in a different direction than your heart. Even when it comes to sin. If there's something you're putting your eyes on that you know your eyes don't belong on, change your heart. Jesus said, you, you don't commit adultery in the act. You committed adultery in your heart. Started on the inside. And then it worked. You don't, you don't fall into bed with somebody. How did I get here? What are you doing here? Where's your clothes? No, you set your heart somewhere, and then you gave it your attention and your focus. And before you know it, you're somewhere that you know you shouldn't be doing something you know you shouldn't do. But your heart got there first. See, you can't get your life somewhere your heart doesn't go. You got to get it right in the heart. I want a healthy heart. Don't focus. I remember uh, uh, Billy Graham had this quote. He said, guys, the first look is natural. The second look is yours. Have an initial glance? Okay, that's natural. Now, if you go back, that's you. And many times your heart will, your eyes will follow your heart. Amen. Amen. Last one here in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. It says, ponder the path. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Feet is behavior. Behavior. I told you that God is not interested in behavior modification. God's not interested with people that come to church and boohoo and cry and, and, and feel bad and feel horrible about everything, but then walk back out of the door just the way they were. But, but see, for so long, the church hasn't provided solutions for those ignorant people. Tracy, if you'd come up. 
attended a conference a few weeks ago. It was a one-day thing. And um, they were discussing topics that are hot-button topics. And how can the church deal with these issues? One of them was racism. Why isn't the church talking about it? Why isn't the church bringing solutions? And this individual came up and he said, it was a black man. He's one of their black pastors on staff there in Atlanta. And he said, the only way I got free from my black culture is I placed a priority on my kingdom culture. He said, what the church doesn't realize is we're the only ones that have the answer to the race issue. Yet we're the only ones not talking about it. But the second area was the sexuality issue, homosexuals, transgender, all the sexually confused and sexually deceived and and, and, and sexually misguided individuals. And he made this statement. He said, the church has had a lot to say about it, but we've had very little help to give them for it. And so he just posed the question, if you had a homosexual couple or individual attend your church, and they came to you and said, Pastor, I see what you're saying. I want to get my life right. He said, would you be able to even help them? Would you know what direction to take them? Because we've focused on their sin and we've focused on how messed up they are. We haven't even taken the time to think about how we can get them out of the mess. I mean, our nation right now recognizes a homosexual marriage as a marriage. So they're going to have to get a divorce. And that comes with a whole bunch of other stuff. How's the church going to help them walk through that? No, we, God isn't interested in behavior modification, but we've got to start putting in. We've got to start institutionalizing. We're here to help you. We're here for the journey. The decision you're about to make is about to take you down a journey. It's about to take you down a path that is a path of life. And it is a path that God has for you. And it's better than anything you could ever make up for yourself. But it's treacherous. And there are some things you're going to have. There's some hurdles. How are you going to help a guy get free from pornography? How are you going to help an individual get set free from alcoholism? They just can't put it down. Because you know that just because they came down here and prayed the prayer, you know that doesn't mean that it's never going to bombard them for the rest of their life. In fact, you've probably got a door there that now the, the, the enemy can have access to for the rest of your life. At any time, he can step in that door. No, we want to get the heart right. God is interested in healthy hearts. God is interested in changing you from the inside. That is the best kind of change. That's the most real kind of change. That's the everlasting, long-lasting, most uh, greatest defining change you could ever have. I'm not interested in you coming in here and playing church. I'm not interested in you coming in here and putting on the smile and acting like everything's okay. I want to know what's really going on so we can get to the root so that we can get the right fruit. That's what this church is about. Healthy hearts. Healthy hearts. Father, we thank you for healthy hearts. Hearts that pursue you. Hearts that love you. Hearts 
that cry out to you, hearts that make a priority for you. We're tired of the mess we're living in. We're tired of all the external junk that our lives are all about. But we know that it has to start on the inside. It doesn't start with coming to an altar. It doesn't start with, 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 with just praying a prayer. I've got to have the heart that gets me to the altar. I've got to have the heart that says, I hate it. I can't stand it anymore. So I have to get to the altar. I have to get to the altar. You've made a way. You didn't just fix us externally so that we could deal with all the junk internally. You took care of all of it. You said if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Inside, internal, if he's in Christ, in Christ, will be made new on the outside. That's the real change we want. That's the real change we want. We give you glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ushers are moving now. If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand real high. They'll be quick to get one to you. Hallelujah. Appreciate your giving and your sowing, your investing. You know, talking about the heart. God said your giving isn't even any good if it doesn't come from the right heart. The heart. Cheerful. A cheerful heart. Giving heart. A heart that desires to give back to the Lord. We can give back to Him because He first gave to us. Amen. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Anchor Faith Church or AFC. You can always give online as well if you didn't come prepared to give today at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Speaking of anchorfaithvaldosta.com, we have a brand new website. So we encourage you to go visit it and check it out. It's been refreshed and renewed. Um, I think there's a couple things they're still trying to work out with it, but the layout's different. It's much more simple. You don't have a bunch of different pages to go to. Everything's on one page. And the mobile site is even better than the desktop. So, you know, most of us are on phones and that kind of thing anyways. Um, so uh, go to it, visit it. You can still give online through the website. Uh, so just look for the give button on the page somewhere, um, and you can still give that way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to give and so into the kingdom of God, Father. We thank you that we can be investors this morning. Investors. We're invested not just spiritually, not just physically, but financially as well, Father. We're participating this morning in all that you're doing in this church and through this church. So, Father, I thank you that every person that's giving and sowing, you honor their gift, you honor their obedience, and you honor their faith, not just their finance. And we give you glory and praise for all that you're going to do in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't have my announcement.